What is an open relationship? Uh, um, 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 uh, to be honest, I don't actually know too much about them. Welcome to Opened, one woman's hashtag journey to opening your heart, your mind and your legs like never before. You're like actively stepping into something that to a lot of society is just like deplorable. If you really love someone, why would you want to limit them? It's going to bring up the deepest, darkest parts of yourself and lots of trauma. Whose idea is this podcast again? Fuck me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, just cut your chest open, put a mic in front of it and see what happens. This is Opened. As a quick recap from last episode, here's where we're at. I introduced you to Raf, a man I've been dating for a few months now, and we recently made shit official, declaring ourselves officially in an open relationship. It's kind of like we're stepping into this space and we're like, you know, like celebrating that it's like open for business. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think people walk down the street and be like, those guys are in an open relationship? They, uh, we're definitely better to tell now. It felt really great. Raf feels really great. Everything feels really great until... I tried to do the number one thing that I keep hearing that you should do in a new open relationship. So, you know, one of the most important things when you are exploring an open relationship is that you need to discuss boundaries first. There's all these hypothetical situations that I think you have to run through with your partner as to how you both feel about it. And this is the part where things started to feel hard. Fucking boundaries. I've been sitting here with this homework. So that's kind of what we said. We said, all right, let's go away and have a think about our boundaries. And I've been sitting in front of a blank computer screen for the last 20 minutes. I just feel like it should be something that comes relatively easily. And now you're up to date. Welcome to episode three. And welcome to me still being here, feeling the same way. Blank. It's been weeks since I first had a crack at writing my ideas for a relationship boundaries out. And so far, I haven't actually come up with any. I have this weird sense of guilt that's building away in the background. Like, there's this homework that I have to do and I'm not doing it. And the longer that I don't do it, the guiltier I feel. And the guiltier I feel, the less I feel like thinking about it. And the less I feel like thinking about it, the more I end up thinking about it. That makes no sense, but like perfect sense at once. I understand the importance of the process. Having boundaries just makes sense to me. And I want to step into a relationship more consciously than ever before. But every time I try to articulate what I want to feel in the form of a boundary, I just can't seem to come up with anything tangible to tell Raf. So desperate times call for desperate measures. And I've done what any self-respecting person that doesn't know something does. I googled that shit. Open relationship boundaries. Enter. Okay. Oh, shit. There's a lot of different websites here. Okay, what have we got? Uh, The six rules for setting up an open relationship right. Okay, sounds promising. Oh, this looks good. 17 do's and don'ts when trying an open relationship. Mm, No, it's not what I want. I feel like I need examples like of other people's boundaries 
or agreements, something to like inspire me, like a place to start from. Ah, here we go. The 20 most common boundaries in open relationships. Bingo, baby. Um, I'm on my way to Raf's house now for our second podcast recording. And what we're recording today is us writing relationship boundaries together. Um, so of course I would record the entire thing because that's just what I do now. Um, I'm feeling pretty good, actually. I'm feeling really prepared because I found uh, this really great website with all of these different examples of the most common boundaries for open relationships. I must I must admit, before that point, I was kind of in struggle town <laughs> trying to come up with anything. But um, as soon as I read some of those and different types of boundaries, like communication ones, sex ones, um, emotional ones, it really kind of set me on a bit of a path. So... Yeah, I'm feeling good. I feel quite official, actually. It feels really responsible, actually, to be having a meeting with somebody that you're dating to put forward that the things that you want and that you need from them and for them to do the same back to you, that feels really good. I've never done that uh, in a relationship before, so it feels really conscious and um, quite empowering, really. Wow, you actually printed yours out <laughs> in a fold. <laughs> well, I didn't print mine out. Was that where we supposed to print out? A, no, there's, there's no, a lot of pages in that folder. <laughs> Look, there's no extra points for printing things out. However, <laughs> oh, and highlighted. I'm feeling, yeah, well, I'm feeling official. I don't know. I think it's also recording this podcast is like a good practice of accountability. But I don't know, we both said let's think about boundaries and that's what I've tried to do. And I didn't actually even realise but I've broken them down into different types of boundaries. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hence the highlighter. <laughs> um, okay. I feel uh, very underprepared in comparison. Well, Not that it's a competition but. I now feel a bit self-conscious about how no, over-pre- you, you, overprepared you, you, I am. You, you're well prepared. It's great. Okay. Um, Where should I start? Um, Okay, so there's four tiers. I've got communication, emotional, time and sex boundaries. What do you want first? Communication is the one I feel most nervous about, so I should probably do that first. Rip it off. Rip that band-aid. Okay. Um, I am big on um, knowing before the fact of like you connecting with other people, Um, so not... Uh, like not asking for permission but like rather feeling the other person in because I feel like a lot of the time your mind creates way worse and scarier scenarios in the actuality of things. Do you know what I mean? So if you were just to be like, I think it's respectful just to be like, hey, connected with this person, going out for dinner with them, going home with them, like what you know, whatever it is, knowing before that fact rather than you being like oh hey the other day this thing happened so do you want to did you just want me to keep going or what do you want to how do you want to 
What would you like? Do you want me to? It's like a call and respond. <laughs> Stop making this more awkward than it is. It's, it's. I feel awkward and like a bit hot in the face. Um, maybe I'll just rip through these and then we can. Um. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. I would want communication from you as to whether a connection was sexual or not. <sighs> what else? A God? connection was sexual or not. Yeah, so like if I knew you were going out on a date with somebody, like I would be thinking to myself like, hmm, did they have sex? Mm-hmm. So like it just, I don't know, would make sense that that was kind of communicated, that it was like, yeah, it was an, a nice night, we like went home together or we didn't go home together. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, There was like something that I read online about like details. So like in open relationships asking like is it more or is it different, which I thought was a kind of cool question to ask. So like wondering where the motivation is coming from. So having like a boundary or something around like what is the connection, like tiers of connection. So like if we're primary partners and there is it like a tier two connection and then like a tier three connection so is it like purely physical is it like more of a friendship like kind of what is that relationship mm-hmm. um this feels weird now i'm saying them out loud um i'm not even going to say that other bit because i just feel strange now saying that um okay should I move on to another one? You, you missed some? There's more? Oh, yes. There's way more. There's like another three subheadings. Um, if you were f- – oh, this is under communication still. If you were like falling in love with someone that – like another person that's not me, that I feel like that would be something that I would like to be communicated. Um, uh, okay. Um this is a lot harder than it was when I was typing it and feeling <laughs> very sure of myself when I printed this off at Officeworks. Um, should I move on to another thing? Another, another um, category? Another category. Yep. Uh, what about um, emotional boundaries? Okay. So, like, I would, f- I would feel – I think I would feel that it would be hard – like overly romantic dates or like grand gestures, like with other people. It's like if you were to go away for like a couple's weekend with your friends and go with someone else and not me, like, like I don't know if this is a boundary, but I was just thinking of things that would be like hard or yeah, I would find I would find that difficult. Oh, what else? Um, no, I'm not even gonna. I just feel a bit strange about saying this now. Hang on, what, what's happening? Well, I just oh, was kind of like reading this website and it was saying like all this stuff that you should do and like when talking about boundaries and there was like all this stuff that I like didn't even think about, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I was like writing them, it like was a strange thing to like put yourself in like hypothetical situations of like how you can get your heartbroken in like 58 different ways and then like feeling like you need to make a boundary around every single one to make sure that you don't get hurt and then I don't know just like put me in this weird headspace because that's not something I've ever really thought you know like 
I've never had a second thought about like how things could go bad or like how you could hurt me or it's just kind of felt really nice and good the whole time, you know, like even when talking about seeing other people, you know. And then I just got like a bit scared, I think, um, and kind of like copy and pasted these things that I'm like, well, I've got to make a rule about this and like write it down and tell you about it so you don't do it, you know. And if I don't, if I don't write it down as a rule, then you're definitely going to do it, you know. Mm. And then it'll be like, well, you didn't say that when we had the chat about the agreement, so then it's on me and, you know, like, so, yeah. I don't even want to read the rest out because I don't even really think I mean them. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, did you, did you have any? <laughs> it's a hard act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> what I've definitely noticed that, especially for women, is like we come from a culture that really encourages women to not have any boundaries whatsoever, you know, that to a certain extent in both big and small ways really punishes women for standing up for themselves, for saying no, for pushing back, for um, not making themselves 100% available, for not making themselves 100% caring, for, you know, prioritizing maybe their own care or their own own desires. And so what I've seen definitely in my client base is that women are a lot, lot more likely to feel... (laughs) even more guilt and shame around having a boundary. You know, like I usually, it's women that usually say things to me, you know, after they've enforced a boundary, you know, maybe they've been like, he did this thing. And so I told him like, I can't be in a relationship with you. And I broke up with him. And then women are the ones who are usually like, oh my God, was I too harsh? Was I a bitch? Should I have done that? You know, they, they're more likely to have the hangover afterwards of, oh my God, like I, I stood up for myself and is that okay? And... 99% of the time, it's very okay. That was Dedica Winston. She's a writer and a relationship coach who specialises in non-monogamy and open relationships. And ever since that shamoz of a conversation with Raph the other week where I freaked myself out by typing open relationship boundaries into Google, good idea that was, I realised that I needed help. So I started reading this book, that I'd read about online. It's called The Smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory by, yeah, same lady, Dedica Winston. And I've almost literally not put it down since. I loved this book so much, so much so that I lurked the author on Instagram. I slid into her DMs and I asked Dedica if she'd come onto the show. Well, firstly, I just wanted to say a massive thank you for... um, for you <laughs> and for what you've shared via your book, The Smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory through Multiamory, the podcast. At times mm. it's like quite isolating and having your voice and having, without sounding like a total creep, it's almost been like a friend. It's been like, hey, I've been here, I've done this. So thank you for that. Like did you experience something similar and is that kind of a bit of an impetus as to why you wanted to share your own story, your own pieces of advice? Yeah. I mean, you really hit the nail on the head with talking about it being both exciting and transformative and also really lonely and isolating at the same exact time. You know, it's very much, it can be so empowering to finally figure out like, oh yeah, like this resonates with me. This is like, I feel like this is going to jive with me. I feel like I want to try this. This is so exciting. 
but you're actively stepping into something that to a lot of society is just like deplorable and disgusting and scary and fearful. And that's just inherently really, really hard, you know, for all of us who color outside the lines or step outside the mainstream. Like, of course, there's the unfortunate consequences of, of feeling really isolated and really alone. I know for me, when I first started reading up on non-monogamy and polyamory and it was really resonating with me, you know, the closest thing I had were like, you know, five people scattered across OkCupid that struck me as like weirdos <laughs> on top of it, you know, where it was like, oh, wow, okay, you're polyamorous. But, oh, but you like, all your pictures are you in like a Tron costume. Like, okay, um, not, that, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was definitely the kind of thing of the weird simultaneous feeling of I've stepped into something that feels right for me and it feels like there's nobody there. I actually can't tell you what it means to have someone just get it. To hear from Dedeka like, yeah, yeah, I've been there, done that, it's beyond comforting because when you're in the thick of it, like I am now in the thick of it, it legitimately feels like you're alone. Plus all of this talk of agreements and personal boundaries and relationship boundaries, it just, it feels overwhelming sometimes. Sometimes I stop and ask myself and I'm like, what's with all the rules? So the reason why, I mean, there's a lot of discussion in the non-monogamy community about rules, agreements, boundaries, things like that, because um, a lot of the advice that's given specifically to couples who are opening up their relationship, it's that kind of very specific scenario, um, for a long time, I mean, going all the way back to probably like swinger culture in like the 70s and 80s, there's very much been this sense of like, okay, well, this is only going to work if you have very, very clear structure and very clear rules in your relationship. You know, that is key. That's, you know, that's the only way that you can explore, stray outside the bonds of monogamy, do any of this kind of kinky swingers party kind of stuff is like the primary couple needs to have some rules in place. Um, and so that kind of came out of swinger culture. And then in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, when the polyamory community started growing, at first there was very much this kind of carbon copy sense of like, okay, same thing. You know, we're going to always have like a primary couple. These people are the most important to each other. And um, they have a number of rules that they have to abide by. And that's the only way that this is going to work if they're going to date other people, things like that. Um, and for some people, both then and now, that did work. I think that these days, there's starting to be a little bit more pushback against that as people are kind of starting to explore outside the bounds of like just having one kind of primary central couple that the world revolves around. So to talk about the difference between rules, agreements, and boundaries. So a rule, at least the spirit of a rule, usually is characterized by something that you are imposing onto someone else. You know, I mean, we're all used to this. We're all used to, you know, going to school. And it's like the rule is you need to raise your hand to talk. Another characterization of it is that, you know, if that rule is broken, there are consequences, you know. So if you break that rule about raising your hand to talk, you're going to be sent out of the classroom or you're going to get a warning or something like that. Um, but there's very much a power structure in that, you know, the more powerful authority figure of your school or your parents or the government is imposing these rules on you, you know. Um, 
And so how this plays out in relationship can be things like you are not allowed to spend the night at somebody else's house if you're going to date them. You know, that's the rule. And it can get a little bit tricky because two people can kind of also agree to be like, okay, we're both going to follow this rule of like, we just don't spend the night at other people's houses. Um, But often what's missing from the conversation is actually talking about okay, what actually happens if that gets broken in some way? Because often the implication is like, okay, well, if you break that rule, we're gonna be, I'm going to be really pissed at you, you know, and I'm going to make your life a living hell, um, things like that. And so while that can work in some relationships, and it's not always bad in all circumstances, it definitely sets up kind of a weird, sometimes a weird power imbalance or a weird authority structure, you know, within a relationship that, at the end of the day, does not feel very loving and sexy to a lot of people, I've found, um, if it feels like almost like this parental thing of like there's these rules that we have to follow. Oh, fuck. That's exactly what I did to Raph recently. I got all parental on his ass and tried to force these rules down his throat. That whole conversation felt weird from the get-go. But now, upon reflection, maybe it was kind of a good exercise, like trying something on for size and realising that it doesn't fit. I'm not too keen on the whole rules front, so is it okay to scrap them all together? I don't think there should be any rules. And I know a lot of people freak out and think anarchy and chaos, but my quick pitch there is... If you assume that the only reason your partner treats you well and treats you with respect is because there are rules saying that they can't do otherwise, let's step back and examine that thought because that's a problem right there. If your partner, if they didn't have rules stopping them from it, would disrespect you, would never pay attention to you, would never come home, would never be safe, that's a problem. And that's the problem that should get addressed, not by making rules, but by maybe getting a different partner or kind of talking about, hey, what, what's the deal here? Why do you not care about my well-being or taking care of me? That's Jace Lindgren. He's a non-monogamous dating coach, educator, author, and podcast host of the Multi-Amory Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. For starters. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, I want to know, can you give us your hashtag journey? Like how did you find yourself in the world <laughs> of non-monogamy? Like was there a particular reason, relationship, conversation that kind of compelled you to start exploring relating in a different way? Or, or was this kind of always something that was pretty much ingrained from you from from when you began dating? No, this was definitely a change for me. Um, so for me, my journey to non-monogamy, it started out, I started out from a pretty conservative, Christian, heteronormative kind of way of thinking about things. And I would say before I first started thinking differently, I would have defined myself as a jealous person. And for me, the sort of first step in changing was in college, I read Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Heinlein. And in that book, and it's, you know, the book was written in the 40s or something. So it's definitely very dated in terms of how it talks about things like gender and stuff now. But for its time, I think it was very ahead of its time. And for me, I think coming at it from a pretty conservative way of looking at the world was also ahead of my time, as it were. 
And in that book, he kind of challenged some of these ideas about what jealousy is. Basically, that jealousy isn't synonymous with love, but that what we call jealousy is actually possessiveness and controllingness. And that if you really love someone, why would you want to limit them from doing something that makes them happy? I don't want to limit Raf's happiness, and I don't want him to limit mine either. Upon reflection, I realize now that that's exactly what I did in our boundaries chat. You know, the one where I came with lots of printed pieces of paper from office works and I cried quite a bit. Well, what I was actually doing was I was traveling to rural town. I was limiting another human's free will and boxing their behavior into some sentences that I typed out to feel safe. Okay, sayonara to rules. So that's sorted. We have no hard and fast rules in our relationship because whilst in theory, it sounds like a safe way to enter into an open relationship, enforcing rules on each other, it doesn't actually feel that good. And look, no shade if that's the way that you run your relationship or are thinking of running it. It's really whatever works for you and your partner is whatever works for you and your partner. But for us, it really seems to be complicating something that previously felt quite easy. And trusting in each other without feeling the need to litigate how we trust each other when we're already kind of doing that without the rule book. Not to mention, another great side effect of scrapping rules means there's actually less homework to do. Now there's one less concept for me to wrap my head around, which just leaves boundaries and agreements, which are different to rules because, um, <clears throat> oh shit, why? Oh God, I think I might need to call Dedica back. Next time on Opened. All these like guidelines kind of makes me feel like I'm always going to buck it up and do it wrong because there's so much framework around how to do it right. So do we just do this without boundaries? There's always going to be boundaries and if you don't acknowledge them then I assure you they will bite you in the ass. When I'm working with clients I really love to ask people you know my quote-unquote magic wand question which is you know when you think about your relationship life or your sex life or maybe even broader just your whole life in general and if you could wave a magic wand over it and have it all looking feeling functioning exactly the way that you wanted it to, what does that potentially look like? If you liked this episode of Opened, subscribe to make sure you don't miss the next one. And if you're feeling it, leave us a review on iTunes. It'll help open up this series to way more people. And if you're still looking for more, you can follow us on Instagram. Just search Opened Podcasts.